I am Jim Collison, and this is Gallup's Call to Coach, recorded on January 12th, 2023. Call to Coach is a resource for those who want to help others discover and use their strengths. We have Gallup experts and independent strengths coaches share tactics, insights, and strategies to help coaches maximize the talent of individuals teams and organizations around the world. If you're listening live and you don't see the chat room, there's a link right above me to that. We're going to mention it and take your questions in chat today. So click on that and sign into the chat room. If you have questions after the fact, you can always send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. Don't forget to subscribe to your fa- on to Call to Coach on your favorite podcast app or right there on YouTube. It's just over there in the corner. So you never miss an episode. Ryan Wolf is our host today. Ryan is a well-being lead here at Gallup. And Ryan, always great to be with you. Welcome back to Called to Coach. Yeah, great to be here as a guest, Jim. Certainly I'm excited to get to chat about this topic that uh, that I get to operate in. And, and it's a pleasure to be here. Your role has certainly changed in our organization over the last five years as we've spent a lot, we spent a lot of time on the physical well-being side of things together. You have now kind of become an overall well-being lead. One, uh, tell us your top five and then tell us how those fit maybe a little bit into your new or expanded mm-hmm. or more focused role at Gallup. Yeah, that's great. So discipline, achiever, futuristic, activator, and harmony. So I've kind of got all, all of the domains represented in there, but really I, I like to get things uh, organized and done. So... I'm really thinking about how can we internally get our all of our well-being initiatives really super succinct and organized. And that's challenging because well-being is such a big topic and it's diverse in all of its elements and how we all interpret well-being. So I'm trying to kind of help create borders, but also at the same time, make sure that uh, we're inclusive of everything that is important to everyone's lives. Yeah. And it's a gigantic topic in the 30 or 35 minutes yeah. we're going to be here together. We're talking about well-being foundations and strengths and engagement. And, and you and I have spent a bunch of time talking and thinking about this together. It seems to be one of the conversations we always default back to just when we're sitting around talking yeah. to each other. Uh, yeah. which is super fun. We, we really think, and, 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 in a lot of, in a lot of the thinking I, uh, that I do around these topics, I see them as these pillars, these pillars to strengths and engagement don't happen without well-being, and vice versa with the, with the others. They all kind of tie together and, and it shouldn't be and, and can't, I don't think can be thought separately. I think a holistic approach, right, to all three of these, and they need to be taken into account. I think you, you and I, in a couple seasons ago, we're talking about this, how, you know, physical well-being used to be, and I forget, chicken and lettuce or something. The, like, you know, you, chicken you, and broccoli, maybe. Chicken and broccoli. <laughs> Going to the gym and eating broccoli. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's so much more complicated than that. So yeah. when, when, let's, let's tie well-being into strengths, and we'll talk a little bit about from an engagement standpoint. So why and how do strengths fit into the well-being ideas we've been thinking about? Okay. Good. So this is this is a beautiful topic because, um, and this is sort of a punchline or a title of a chapter, but strengths make well-being work. So that comes from our well-being book. Jim Harder, Jim Clifton published that a couple of years ago. 
And really that's kind of the, this promise that, you know, strengths help us come from a positive perspective. When you think about kind of the messiness that human beings have uh, around them, there's certainly not always everything is positive about our well-being, but strengths are positive. So if we can start with things that, you know, from a positive lens, a positive perspective, then that can make well-being an easier topic or a more open topic to have. A lot of people are closed off about talking about things like their physical health, their their financial well-being, their relationships, which is their social well-being. So those are touchy subjects. And we can when we can start with the best of who we are in mind, then it's less heavy. And then then people are more likely to be able to have a conversation that is productive about it. And strengths really help kind of kind of establish that trust between two people. And uh, when we can start there, and we, when we can establish that trust, then well-being just kind of is is more of a a topic that is on is on. It's not off limits. We'll say. Yeah, and um, I think sometimes we think of well-being as an individual sport. Like, mm-hmm. no, yeah. this is about me and about what I'm doing. And yet the partnerships we create, we're going to talk about engagement here in a few minutes, but so sometimes some of those partnerships we create and the things we do for work or whatever, volunteer type things, the, our well-being components can fit into those pieces as well. Can you talk a little bit about how partnerships um, can enhance our, our, our well-being? Yeah, definitely. So the you know, conversations can cer- certainly, you know, happen with managers. Maybe they're not li- not likely to naturally occur initially with managers, but probably more likely best friends at work, people who you trust, people who you can share with. And we truly do need others for support in our well-being. There's one element specifically that calls that out and, and, um, and significant uh, signifies that and that's social well-being. Social well-being is, so it's really about having, you know, love and support and, and relationships in your life that that you can really count on people who um, people who love you for who you are and can support you <clears throat> when when you need it. And and yeah, you're right. Uh, when, and when you look at your strengths and when you're identifying kind of what what you do best, it's uh, those people tend to know uh your best friends at work, your your best friends at home, tend to know what you're naturally inclined, um, you know, what you're best at, what you're naturally inclined to do, and then we can kind of point those strengths towards the kind of the common elements of well-being that we know are are so significant globally to everyone. Those partnerships, I too, I oftentimes don't live in isolation across the five elements uh, as well. In other words. Yeah. Uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. Yeah, it would make sense from a from a physical well being perspective. You were a big part of the story with me, but that that uh, that has um, you know bled across the lines into to to phys- from physical to community. We've spent time. You and I spent time, and then actually reaching out to others. Like we would partner together to energize a group to race yeah. up some stairs or mm-hmm. to go a marathon or whatever yeah. kind of crazy things. Uh, uh, that does from Ryan from, yeah, even though I said, it's not an individual sport, I do want to think from an individual's perspective though, as we think about the individual themes we come with 
as an example for me, I, I used to budget, I used to build this big annual budget. We think about financial well-being, this big annual budget that would just make me super grumpy. Like I, cause I would, it was, I was, I was swimming against the stream, right? Yeah. I was trying to do something, this discipline, this thought and discipline. I get angry at, at Sarah all the time because she would break the budget and whatever. I do it too, just to be honest, right? Sure. And I, and I move, I, you know, I have a ranger high. I have maximizer uh, high. I, I have activator high. I moved to a rolling budget where I really just spend time. I kind of go a month, maybe two or three at a time where I'm constantly adapting and adjusting. I have high adaptability. It played that methodology played to my strengths of just making a simple change from a dynamic budget to an, from an annual budget to a dynamic budget. Are there other situations like that as you think about these well-being elements of actually capitalizing, get, getting beyond the, well, this is the way I always set goals, you know, to using your, maybe using your, your individual themes to do that? Yeah, <clears throat> great. So, yeah, there's five themes that we found that are globally common among all, uh, among all citizens of the world that are actionable. That's really how we define our, our framework of, of well-being. And then we then of course we know that there's you know 34 themes that we can apply to these five elements. So when you do the math, it's it's pretty outrageous how we can each kind of interpret well-being and what we can do to take action in those elements. My mind, Jim, is going right to the appendices in the Well-Being at Work book, which you highlighted with Jacqueline. So when we think about what your themes are and how you can point them and and utilize them towards uh, and for the each element of well-being there's there's some really good prescriptive kind of questions that you can ask and tasks that you can activate on that Jacqueline wrote um, along with the authors in the the well-being book that are they're super super helpful of course you dove into them really deep with her over the course of the last year which I think that's a really powerful resource if you're thinking about this topic and you get excited about it here today and you want you know, extra resources or just ways to learn more about it, that's a, a good place to explore. And I'll remind those individuals, that's all season one of the Clifton Strengths podcast. Jacqueline and I get together by theme and talk about these and maybe a good a good way to wrap up this section on, on strengths is we cover each of the individual themes from appendix one in the back of the book. So it seems like that was a million years ago, but that was just last year. And so if you want to dive in, if you haven't listened to season one of the Clifton Strengths podcast, we kind of cover that um, as well. Okay. I think that makes good sense for a lot of people, especially we have a lot of strengths coaches who listen. They're kind of going, yeah, okay, I get it. Strengths, well-being. What about engagement? As we mm -hmm. think about that, that may be a little more of a new area or a different thought as we think about engagement. How does that impact uh, well-being? Yeah. So the beautiful thing is we've got so much data on this to kind of correlate the two sciences and really the three sciences and practices. And we found that organizations who are really highly engaged, so kind of that top quartile or decile of, of engagement, those, are, those organizations are also really thriving at a high rate. And thriving is that term we use to describe those who are scoring really high in well-being evaluation when we do when we conduct the well-being index um, Cantrell's ladder and we kind of dive into each of those five elements and ask questions that have been validated globally and we find that those who those organizations teams and people who are really uh, highly engaged are also going to are much more likely to be um, thriving 
um, in, within their lives. So, so that's really good to see. You know, with career well-being, you know, that's um, that's kind of a foundation that we can start with when we talk about kind of the, the blending of engagement and well-being and how could we even how could I even bring up the idea of, of well-being or the topic of wellness and health and uh, a really natural place for us to, to start with is career well-being is kind of that foundation that the other elements can then kind of branch, uh, kind of branch out to and um, you know strengths strengths as well we're talking a lot of times when we're talking about strengths it's it's for that career element certainly um, it applies directly to the others, but the, the first natural conversation can be with, with career. Um, yeah, I think, you know, so like people who are just engaged, they're, they're also kind of like with strengths. It's, they're, they're a little more open to having conversations about their well-being and what's going on with their lives. They're already very committed to the organization. They're enthusiastic, enthusiastic about their work their manager their leadership so it's then it's it's more natural for them and more trusting for them to be able to open up and have conversations about well-being kind of life outside of work that impacts life inside of work that's so important to work yeah i, I often think about a healthy situation between a manager and an employee in the five coaching conversations as we think about that and, and checking in on a regular basis and taking care of their development and, and, you know, those pieces that we think in those conversations happening, Ryan, as you think about our Q12 assessment, which is an easy way to manage, for, uh, to manage and measure em employee engagement. As you think about those 12 elements, are there any of them that speak to well-being more than others? You know, if, as, as you think through that, are there some indices, if I'm using that word correctly, yeah, inside like of there <laughs> that we could that we could pull out and say, yeah, these this these kind of could create a, a little bit of a well-being index for you. Yeah. Okay. That that's a great way to be thinking about how to kind of evaluate well-being or how how do we cross okay, crosswalk the two yeah. uh, sciences and practices. So one of them that comes to mind is you know. At work, there's someone who cares about me as a person. So that to me is kind of as a person means not just as an employee or a productive member of this team, but uh, totally uh, as me as, as an entire human being. There are in there is an index um, that are kind of there's five um, there's five elements of of engagement that have a more impact, uh, I guess we'll say more correlative score in terms of well-being. So that's so that's um, the expectations, which is Q number one, and then next is Q three, which is which is a strengths question. So that makes a lot of sense. And then it's six, seven, eight. So development, opinions, and mission and purpose. So that's just uh, literature and research from from uh, our research team, Harder and Crew, that um, have have just really done all the analysis and finding ways where engagement and well-being are really correlative and then just being aware of that and then you know being um, kind of intentional about that can be helpful certainly when we're thinking about engagement always always good to know that there's foundations of it right so q1 knowing what's expected of me at work 
kind of got a need to be able to address that and have a conversation about that before we can really advance within the, the pyramid and kind of tackle the, the top of it or even the middle of it. So I'd start there, um, know what's expected of me at work. Only 50% of United States workers can give this a five out of five. So when you think about the ambiguity that people are facing within their job or within the kind of the multiple bosses that they might feel that they have, maybe they have a, a direct report manager, but they also have other teams that that have managers that are different from theirs. So that can be kind of one way where expectations aren't clear. And um, we can really make that more clear, then there's, um, there's a good chance that well-being scores can en enhance as well. I love that idea of getting two for one out of the Q12. So mm -hmm. measuring engagement overall, and then maybe inside, we've been doing a lot of this lately, maybe inside of the Q12 is a mini well-being index. Yeah. You, you mentioned those one, three, six, seven, and eight, uh, that we're going to measure in our organization to say, Hey, th uh, these scores, we're going to combine these scores together. And then we're going to measure them over time to see, and we're going to ask some questions or, uh, around them. And we're going to be intentional about pointing that towards our well-being initiatives, whatever we're doing, how, whatever we've decided to do, however, we're deciding to attack this, right? Mm -hmm. and measure those over time. I, I, I love it. You get you kind of get two for one out of the deal mm -hmm. uh, uh, with that as well. So speaking of initiatives, let's talk a little bit about that as you, as you think about getting in, in, inside organizations, uh, uh, getting initiatives rolling around well-being. And I, I joked about this just a second ago about it being about, you know, uh, working out chicken and broccoli, <laughs> right? As we think beyond beyond that kind of thinking how do we get the ball rolling inside organizations yeah. what's some ways to get started yeah okay i thought of another index that could i press yeah. pause on that question yeah. can we back can up we footnote sure. it? okay yeah so another index we're thinking about and hearing about reading about a lot lately is the positive experiences index as well as the negative experiences index so if you've read seen or heard about the blind spot which is uh, John Clifton's book from last year, awesome book about those two indices and how, how negative experiences have really been climbing during the last 10 years or so, while positive experiences have been just kind of flatlined. And a lot of people tend to think the the kind of the Cliff Notes version, which I, I, I feel like I'm not doing justice to the book by giving in this 30 minute podcast, is that a lot of people and leaders assume that the pandemic is the reason for negative experiences and, and their rise during the last couple of years. But if we look back, we've been measuring it since 2006, and it's been climbing for more than 10 years. So one good thing as coaches, as strengths um, connoisseurs and practitioners and, and scholars here is we found we've done we've done research comparing those um, I guess we'll say it this way. Those who spend extra time, so per hour, uh, per day, those who spend more time utilizing their strengths are much less likely to experience those negative, in, um, negative emotions or experiences. So those are um, things like sadness, anger, worry, stress, and pain. So we ask that among all employees, and uh, we've got some good data on that. There's an article from a couple of years back that um, you can check and just kind of maybe cite or just find for, uh, for inspiration. 
um, the, the opposite is true as well. So for every hour that you can spend uh, utilizing your strengths more so than you're going to experience, or the respondents uh, said that they experienced those positive emotions and experiences more frequently. So those are things like feeling well-rested, was treated well, or treated with respect, I learned something new, I laughed or smiled a lot yesterday, and I had um, I experienced a lot of high energy and um, enjoyment yesterday. So those are some things that <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> as we think about, excuse me, <clears throat> as we think about why strengths are important for well-being, um, we've just got, sometimes that can feel like maybe a soft question, but we have some really good hard data that kind of prove why that uh, those two are so important and correlated. Yeah, we've got that data uh, available on our website, headofthegallop.com. Uh, and, and we continue to publish uh, around that, talk about these these topics available for you um, as well while Ryan collects himself. Okay, so Ryan, let me, let me come back to that question uh, again. So as we think about getting the ball rolling in an organization, mm -hmm. uh, in, in a lot of, certainly, um, this is not a topic that's new to anybody. Let's just be really clear. Organizations, most organizations have been thinking about this. Um, let me ask it from this perspective, though. The world's changed in the last three years, and we're spending a lot more time remote. Uh, organizations, some organizations have changed uh, personnel uh, drastically. A third to a half might be new, might be a new organization. They never, they've never met each other. They're not going in they're not physically going into an office every, you know, five days a week anymore. Right. Talk a little bit in that, in the, in the light of that context, talk a little bit about that of, of restarting maybe mm -hmm. or getting something rolling in an organization. Okay. Yeah. So, so a lot of times what we'll see is, is organizations want to provide something that is beneficial that is kind of a, maybe a wellness type of tool or tracker or platform. And certainly that is great. Um, but, but sometimes we just, what, what we found is we need, we need to have some pillars. We need to have some structure to a well-being program or initiative or whatever word you want to tie to it. And it really starts with kind of organizational alignment. And really, and that what that really means is kind of understanding the connection between well-being and business outcomes. So that's the organization's commitment and understanding that, hey, we know that well-being is important for our people. We're going to put it in our mission statement or our purpose or our value statement or somewhere that, um, that the public can see and that, that we as an organization can you know, plant our flag in the sand there and say that well-being we know is important to us to our customers to everyone so starting with kind of that commitment then with kind of leadership commitment next so um, really understanding that correlation between well-being and engagement leaders are kind of leading by example with kind of some thriving personal behaviors and then there's the big the next big one is kind of manager uh you know it's the manager manager conversations that can be have uh be ongoing. Um, managers are kind of skilled to be able to ask meaningful questions or give meaningful feedback and really kind of naturally embed well-being into ongoing conversations. Mm. So those are those are some three, those are like three 
pillars before we just start throwing random acts of wellness or well-being out there? I was going to say, that sounds very different than, uh, hey, let's have a company happy hour. Yeah. Or So, absolutely, let's do all of those things that people want to do and that people are kind of expecting us to do. Maybe, you know, on-site gym or exercise reimbursement or anything that's like, if you, you know, top trends in wellness and well-being for the workplace. Those are important. But without those first three, there's really not support, there's not amplification, there's not commitment, and then there's just ambiguity. Can I really use these resources? Does my manager care about this? Does the leadership care? So when, when we can check those three boxes first, then we can have that kind of ongoing support and really smart programs, policies, and perks that we like to, to, to talk about, and you know things that are evidence-based, things that people want to do, not not things that we're expecting people to do, but, but, but things that are, you know, kind of scientifically um, backed and, um, you know, interesting things that can enhance the well-being experience that we have at work. As you were listing those, there were some folks frantically looking for a pen to write this down. And even though it's recorded, just review those really quick before we kind of move on. What are those things? And they actually, they sound a lot like building a strength-based culture. Yeah, (laughs) very similar. Review those again, right? Yeah. So, so organizational alignment is the first one. So that's really kind of understanding the connection between well-being and business outcomes, identifying well-being as a priority within the mission the statement, the purpose statement, or the value statement. It's something that you know resides on your website. Um, something that's easy to speak to. Then, then, then there's a leadership commitment. So the executives kind of really understand the correlation between well-being and engagement. They're leading by example. Um, Some of the initiatives can come directly from them, or what they can do is those who are leading the well-being initiatives, the the leaders can then amplify the the support of it uh, publicly to the organization. And then there's the manager. So everything about being skilled and having the opportunity to comfortably uh, bring up elements of well-being that are important uh, to people in a natural way. So Jim if if you're my if you're my boss and and the first thing uh, and you and your initiative is to talk about well-being with me you don't want to just throw all five elements at me in the first meeting and and say something awkward like so Ryan how's your physical well-being we want to like get to know this person through their strengths through their through conversations about engagement and then kind of weave that into a natural way about uh, each of those five elements. Yeah, kind of comes back around to it's the manager plus engagement as we think about yeah. knowing those pieces. And it's tough for a manager to take action on a team if the manager doesn't know the engagement level of their team or maybe the team is thriving and struggling, asking those questions. One of the steps of building a strengths-based culture is building a community of of, of coaching, of strengths coaches and strengths champions is what we call that in that in that setup can can that be copied or stolen from that model and brought into a well-being model where you're actively seeking out well-being coaches or well-being champions in an organization to help with this totally yep so that is highly recommended steal it don't 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 be shameful about you using that framework and finding people who really care about well-being and really 
it's just finding people who care so much about others and are willing to support them and and the organization as well so that's um certainly a great model to utilize yeah yeah i think there's some similarities we we started this uh, these concepts of saying you know really strengths engagement and well-being are really three pillars that really go that fit together and i love as we've talked about this we've they they all kind of have connectors to each other as we think about uh, how they fit in together. Okay, so with that, let's final question for me. We'll take a couple questions from chat then here as we wrap this up. So, with a foundation set, right? Leaders and managers supporting well-being, some 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 maybe some um, some buy-in, right? Some some of that work being done. What are some tactical things that mm-hmm. could be done then to to support this this idea of well-being in in an organization? Okay. Yeah. So tactical meaning like things like well-being or wellness programs or uh, that you kind of offer to, you know, really anyone who wants to participate. And a lot of these things are just, you know, voluntary that for a while there was, there were kind of wellness or well-being incentives that were maybe like kind of gamified well-being. Um, And there, I think kind of there's, there's pluses and minuses to that. But I think what we need to do is just think about what can we offer, volunteer for people, don't require them to do these things, but just have them so we can kind of support, uh, know that know that um, they are supported and that these are, these are valuable things. So things like EAP programs and really just kind of supporting those and kind of taking the stigmatization out of them, having a champion for the EAP. We we have an executive inside Gallup who's been a champion of our EAP program. program. EAP stands for Employee Assistance Program. And that's where there's kind of like, there's a licensed therapist or, or uh, counselors who can give, you know, quick advice to people who, who need it. And um, so that's a big one, you know, really. And then expanding the offerings to to family members, spouses, domestic partners. So there's resources when there's resources given, for example, something like exercise reimbursement at Gallup, we exercise a fraction of every um, anyone who wants to have a gym membership. And we offer that to family members and spouses as well. Uh, we, we offer a lot of financial well-being support. Um, and this is this is really just for everyone. So I, I just had my my head in Gallup there, my kind of well-being program manager. But um, you know, offering offering that support, whether that's classes, whether that's coaching or learning modules that can help people just kind of upskill their their knowledge and encourage them to 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 save more and, and just be a good uh be smart about their budget and and how they they implement it at home with their spouse, Jim. Um, there's um, you know things. Another thing is like recognizing people who for the good you know maybe well-being achievements that they have have accomplished. So we have a community well-being award that we give here at Gallup every quarter, and nominees are sent in by employees. So you know co-workers or friends here at Gallup, we nominate those who are doing good work inside the community. And then we award them with a really cool little trophy and some words of recognition at our monthly town hall. So, so I think that's a, that's another way to just think about, okay, thinking outside that kind of the traditional wellness box, how can we kind of, kind of 
take well-being to a more advanced stage with within our organization and expand it to to people in ways that is important for them. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it's, and for me, I've been a gal for 15 years, so it's sometimes hard for me to see the lens of this outside of the example that has been set there. I think, Ryan, a lot of organizations come at this beginning of the year, we're going to set some new things in place, and by April, they have been forgotten about, right? They, best intentions, we're going to do some things, come out the gate, firing, full guns blazing, and then, uh, and then it doesn't, it doesn't make it to June. How do you sustain that? Like how have, how have we sustained, there's a lot of things that we do internally at Gallup as an organization that are offered year over year. How do, what's the, what's the key to success of sustaining that? And then I'll ask you some questions from the chat. Okay. I would just, I'd, <clears throat> I'd say really rely on your well-being champions and your managers and really help to to um, give them the knowledge and it, help them be amplifiers of well-being. Certainly, they're not—they're not well-being. Uh, maybe they're not like well-being experts, but they're people experts, and they care so much about people, and they listen, and they know what people are thinking about, and therefore they can properly and naturally have those conversations about well-being that are ongoing and not flavor of the month and uh, it's a new year for well-being type of of initiatives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's dig into some questions because I think there's some good ones as we as we get at least it asked you talked about some of those questions. Um, that's not the one I wanted. Uh, we'll come back at least I'll find that here in just a second. Um, uh, Sohan asks, can you please give us some examples uh, of types of evidence-based policies, programs, and perks? And maybe you just did that a second ago, but what, how would you answer that question? Yeah. So there's the EAP, which is a, which, which is a really big one, um, especially for mental health. So that's an important one. Um, there are, gosh, so the question was evidence-based yeah, well-being true. initiatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's, it's, I th- think it's going to be hard to find like real good evidence-based or scientific based, but some things that I'm thinking about are uh, maybe it could be like the evidence that you ask, like get, get opinions from people, ask them what they want to do. And that's probably what you should be doing. So that could be anything from like offering a, a quick survey. What do you want to do um, throughout the year? Do you want to do a, co- a an online cooking class or do you want to have a nutritionist come in and talk about, um, you, you know, things that you can, uh, healthy meals that you can cook uh, while it's, uh, you know, winter time? Um, do you want to have some sort of guided meditation that we could complete together or kind of um, maybe some instructions on how to create an exercise workout program or, you know, what are the, what are the ways that you can, I, kind of capitalize on the quantified self. There's a lot of you know, tracking devices out there, everything from from watches to gadgets. You know, if we could have an expert talk about those, would that be of interest to you? And then you have this evidence that is coming from the opinions of those of people inside your organization. And let's remember that um, 
opinions mattering is an element, is one of those 12 elements of engagement. So then you're kind of tying the two together, well-being and engagement. Robert asked a good question. Do you, do, do you award teams too, as we think about the, you know, the incentives to do this seems that addresses well-being as well. Thinking about, Ryan, thinking about the, getting the incentives right, correct? Yeah. I think incentives a lot of times can be, can kind of take away the, the right type of motivation for well-being. So I, I, encourage people to think really responsibly about incentives. I, I have a feeling most everyone on this call will because you care about strengths and that, that gives you a pretty good chance of caring about people and, and incentives. If you're going to offer incentives, really think about how to do that in a way that's more like participative versus performance-based. So when we think about well-being, well, you know, physical well-being, social well-being, we're all on these different levels and um, trying to maybe like competing on a performance-based uh, well-being type of incentive would not necessarily go over the best in terms of motivating people and helping, helping them feel good about where they're at and where they're going, but certainly participating in things. Yeah, there's incentives there that, that, that um, you know, are, are perfect. Yeah. Catherine asked a great question. She says, how do you maintain emphasis on well-being? And listen, you can insert anything emphasis on fill in the blank through leadership transitions, because all those things during transitions, um, you know, that's a struggle sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. If team may see a different emphasis on it, but specifically with well-being, Ryan, any thoughts on that? I think get it. It's that first one, get it inside the board and, and make sure the organization is aligned. And um, it starts with that, that just, it starts there at the very top and making sure that something uh, about well-being and the, for the people inside this organization is written in the mission, in the purpose, in the value statement, somewhere in there. And then that way, when, when leaders um, do come and go, it, um, those documents remain and, and, um, we continue to kind of utilize that as the foundation, but also, you know, the champions are, are, are really good too. just having, having that constant um, conversation about it with managers as well. Then there's this there, then there's a culture around it that is really hard to change. Uh, even if there there's, you know, leaders that, that are. Mm -hmm. Well, and that culture creates uh, like a talent magnet that a draws it begins to draw people who favor that to begin with they hear about it this is where you're talking about you know making it public it's on your website you're talking about it you're known for it mm -hmm. and then it begins to attract uh you know birds of a feather flock together right it begins to pull those individuals in and may make that easier there there was some questions too a couple questions around you know what if managers won't support it what if Okay, those the, those aren't easily answered questions that are, from an organizational standpoint, very very specific to what's going on inside an organization. You know, you 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 may have managers dissing. This happens all the time, right? Where folks are are saying, Ryan, what kind of advice as you think about where if you're in an organization and you've got some pockets that are that are rejecting okay. this as you're thinking about it, mm -hmm. some some thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. I'd say show them our data. This is all 
this is all you know, public data that we've we've uh, we've published in in statistics that we've run on just the how you know pure business outcomes are really correlative to well-being, engagement, strengths, and it's really hard to kind of continue to refute that. But um, with managers, sometimes they might reject it because they're just not comfortable feel um, you know having conversations with with people about some of these personal issues, personal elements of, of yeah. people. So I think, you know, think about some kind of some upscaling or some, some ways that, that managers can learn about these elements. We've got um, some questions that you can ask as a manager that are natural conversation starters, uh, finishers, middle questions um, inside our appendix uh in well-being at work, the, that book that was published a couple of years ago, that's a great way to 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 get that going. But yeah, there might be some resistance. But what you could also do is really highlight and recognize those managers who are doing it really well, and have them coach the other managers or share yeah. best practices. And I think that's a good way to to kind of kind of naturally grassroots yeah. uh, to go about it. As humans, we're super messy. And, uh, you know, I always say model it, incent correctly, and and be consistent, right? Continue to, because it, you're, and it's not going to, like, it, like a strengths rollout, not everybody's going to embrace it on day one. Even when you give them all the data, <laughs> they're going to be mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not going to believe it. Like, I'm not going to go with this. I'm not going to do it. That happens. That's part of the, I think that's part of the human experience uh, sometimes. And, and we've got to kind of, continue to model it in a way that, 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 that makes sense for what we're doing and what we're time. I think I'm going to end it on this and sorry, I couldn't get to all your questions. There's some great ones out there. Brooke says, what role does giving back? Cause I, I really believe in this. What role does giving back helping orgs or individuals um, to the community play in well-being? And certainly part of our, that community well-being component, but what do we know about that? And maybe this, just the data would come right out of the first book that we wrote on this. Yeah, so it, I'll, steal, I'll steal another line from well-being at work from Jim and Jim uh, Clifton and Harder is that community well-being is the difference between a good life and a great life. So understanding that kind of our natural environment where we live is a very important part of of who we are and our safety and 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 how we kind of uh, can can live our everyday life is is important and giving people the opportunity to do uh, to do that work connecting them with what we do at Gallup is we connect we connect um, with community organizations that are really in tune with what we believe in so that's things like strengths education diversity um, and connecting um, kind of our organization uh, connecting their organization to us, to end users like our employees and, and having, giving the employees um, opportunities to then kind of contribute in a way that, that feels good is, is an important part of, of that element. So Jim, anything you want to add to that? I know you've, you've, you've done a lot of these um, as well and anything else you want to add to it? Yeah, I think I want to close it with what Robert said. He said, uh, I find most leaders have strengths from the executing domain. Always try to share practical advantages of working towards well-being of the group. And that's a great suggestion as we were thinking about pushback. 
but it's also a great suggestion from what the whole thing we were talking around together of, as you think of incentives based on the, the engagement of the individuals and their strengths, thinking about this from a, cause it's never a one size fits all. If you're getting pushback in an area, it may be because it's an area you've missed. You're not addressing like, Hey, what, what does this person need? What are they looking for in this? And we know, um, you know, we know that takes, that's hard. That's, that takes some work. That takes some questioning. So Ryan, thanks for in the short time that we have, we hope we've inspired some of you. If you're an organization looking for some help in well-being, you can contact us. We can help you with that. Um, uh, so you can always send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. Just mention that uh, you, from an organizational standpoint, we've got some things we can uh, we can get the process rolling for you. Ryan, anything else? Yeah, I think I could just expand on that, that, that well-being is not something that you're going to figure out with on the first day, week, month, or year of implementation. But it will uh, it will pay off in the long term. So, just encourage you to just keep finding those intersections between strengths and well being, as well as engagement and how they can expand on each other and complement. All right. With that, we'll remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we do have available. And you'd think that's a strengths only, but we got a lot of well being uh, resources available on our site. You can head out to gallup.com slash Clifton Strengths. Actually, there's a search bar right there. Just put that put well-being in, and you can see all the things we've been talking about. We update them all the time. So if you're listening to this, maybe it's 2025. I bet we have some new stuff out there that's available for you on strengths. So get out there and well-being and engagement. So get out there and check it out. For coaching, master coaching, or if you want to become a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, or more information on how your organization, how we can help you with this, uh, this idea of well-being initiatives in your organization, send us an email coaching at gallup.com. Don't forget to join us for the 2023, that's 2023, this June, in-person and virtual Gallup at Work Summit. Love to have you there. Get more information today, gallupatwork.com. Find us on any of the social networks by searching Clifton Strengths. Like, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to make sure you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening uh, today. If you're listening live, stay around for a little bit of a post-show. We'll go back to our strengths, our audience strengths grid talk a little bit about that. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.